This is the Average Guy Network, and you have found Home Gadget Geeks, show number 243, recorded on December 31st, the last day of 2015. Here at Home Gadget Geeks, we cover all the favorite tech gadgets that find their way into your home. News, reviews, product updates, and conversation, all for the average tech guy. I'm your host, Jim Collison, broadcasting live from the Average Guy.tv studios here in a chilly, very cold, but fireworks going off outside Bellevue, Nebraska. We post a show with world-class show notes each week out at TheAverageGuy.tv. You can also join us live now on our new mobile app. We have that available thanks to LastPass, who's sponsoring that on Spreaker. You can subscribe to that and get access to all those, both of them, uh, both the mobile apps for both iPhone and Android. HomeGadgetGeeks.com. Again, just head out to, on your phone, go to HomeGadgetGeeks.com, and both the buttons are there to download. Free app and a great way to listen to the program when you're on the road or if you're offline, you can do that as well. Home Gadget Geeks, of course, is a part of the Geeks Network. You can find the links to this show and many other great podcasts, and there's a bunch out there that you might want to listen to uh, out there at the Geeks Network. Dot com. Mike Howard is joining us today. Mike, Happy New Year. Not quite yet, but by the time most people listen to this, it will it'll be. be the new year. So let's just pretend. Happy New Year. How are happy you? Happy New Year, Jim. I'm great. Uh, good good to have you. I uh, uh, Typically, Mike Weger is uh, sitting in the co-hosting seat for me on Home Gadget Geeks. He, of course, is out to traveling around. Him and Hannah are doing all kinds of things on the New Year's weekend. They're young, and they got plenty of money, and they That's just over guys. Or, it's at home. <sighs> Yeah, us old guys with kids, we're just kind of home, whatever uh, kind of deal. So uh, many of you must be as well because you've joined us tonight. Thanks for coming out and uh, joining us live on Blab. We really want uh, to focus, the goal of tonight's show over the next uh, 57 minutes or so is to uh, kind of chat about future tech and what we're looking forward to in 2015. So if you listened to the show last week, if, you, if you're new to Home Gadget Geeks, just go out to theaverageguy.tv. They're all out there. Last week, 242 we took a look at 2015 and kind of some of the things that happened in favorite tech and Christmas tech and some of those kinds of things. We looked at that last week. This week, I've got some things that we want to look at uh, that we're looking forward to. And it doesn't have to necessarily be just 2016, but maybe kind of a future tech show. What are you looking for in the next maybe five years? And so we have an open seat if you want to join us live. you got a camera and a microphone that you want to join us with if you can make the connection. We'd love to have you come in. I may not approve you right away if we're in the middle of a thought. Just hang tight. We'll, we'll get you in. Uh, but if you want to jump in or you can leave your questions in the chat room, and I'll show you how to do that. Kevin just did that, and uh, he dropped a note. He said, will Azure be usable as a home domain platform? And, of course, uh, uh, if you've been following the show for any length of time, you know I've gone off and on on using a VM instance of Windows 7, or in this case now, Windows 10. It's actually what's driving the uh, Spreaker audio right now. I have an Azure Windows 10 instance running. So I have a window, uh, you know, a desktop running in the cloud. I have a Blab window open on it that's broadcasting the audio of this Blab. It's circling around through a virtual audio cable and then going out via Spreaker. And in 2016, I don't see the desktop coming to the cloud in a reasonable way for you for for users for end users yet i think microsoft's still a little way now i have a very expensive msdn account i think it's like a seven thousand dollar deal that we get for being uh, mvps for microsoft and they allow me to run desktops windows 7 windows 8 windows 10 in the cloud and make it work they're for test purposes 
I might be breaking the rules uh, by doing it the way I do it. But I'm not sure if from a home standpoint, I don't know if 2016, Kevin, I'm not sure if uh, if we're going to see domain, you know, if we're going to see Windows instances coming to the domain or coming to the average user sometime. Mike, as you think about, would you log, would you go to the cloud to run a kind of a home OS, so to speak, uh, when you think about Azure in the cloud? I, I wouldn't at this point for my personal use. I like having it, having all that here. The other thing for some users is, uh, you know, internet is still an issue. You you have bandwidth caps that are in, in some areas are actually becoming worse, uh, and the speeds are not improving as fast as we would hope they were. You know, I've got a hundred, I've got a hundred down and five up. Yeah, they kind of stayed flat. You know, the last couple of years, yeah. bandwidth has kind of stayed flat. We haven't seen the growth in it. So, you know, along those lines, one of the things that we're looking at is something that's not new. It's something that's been around before is uh, at our office is taking some of our users and instead of giving them desktops, giving them thin clients and have it all virtualized. So I could see where, you know, you reach the point in time where you don't have that many computers at home. Uh, you just have a virtual computer on Azure or Amazon, you know, AWS, something like that. And you log in, you log in from wherever you are, your tablet or whatever. And the power behind that thing is a full blown PC and you can up and, you know, up the speed and all that. But there's some things we got to, we got to resolve before we do that. I think more people got to have faster bandwidth without these data caps. Well, and video is a huge problem. So if you're thinking about streaming, you know, YouTube's huge. That still doesn't work. I mean, I even think about the instance that I'm running right now. I have 300 up and down at Azure, you know, on the Azure servers in Redmond. And I think that's, it's a West Coast server. So I think I'm I'm on the campus in Redmond yeah. at this point. But even so, I'm restricted by my own download and my own traffic. And video just doesn't stream as well on that. And so as far as a desktop replacement, I think about how much video we watch streaming Amazon. I was just watching Man in the High Tower, the Amazon Prime. Yeah, yeah series, which is great, by the way. I, I binge watched all 10 episodes. And if you haven't seen it yet, and you like alternate universe kind of shows, that was pretty cool. But I couldn't imagine watching that through like a team viewer or a remote desktop connection and having it be of any quality that would be good enough. Now, I think we're getting closer, but I just, like you said, I think we need to get in a place where we're gigabit everywhere. I think then it maybe starts working once that actually happens. And in thinking forward to 2016, I unfortunately don't see a lot of progress in 2016 on that. There was a technology called, I think it was called VDSL, which was supposed to take DSL signals and make them gigabit, you know, bo- both directions gigabit. And I haven't looked at that recently, but uh, it, it hasn't been as, it's not being talked about as much. So I, I think that's not as coming out as fast as everybody had hoped on yeah. VDSL. But, you know, you do that, that opens up, big bandwidth to a lot of people and i think a lot of our cable providers are holding back because they they can't they, they you know yeah there's no what are you gonna do go to your dsl provider and have even worse internet so <laughs> you know one of the things we need is that competition and if something like vdsl comes out and offers true gigabit and you have <clears throat> fiber running more you know maybe we'll get more but i don't that's maybe more of a five-year window versus 2016. Yeah, we do have gigabit coming to Omaha here, and I think actually in 2016 it may be offered to me. Um, you know, by the by the end of the year. So um, you know, looking forward to that. But it is, you know, that's one of those things. Um, uh, just a reminder: Mark mentions that he needs to find another device to watch this on. Blab is only available in Chrome or Firefox. IE is not wow. there yet, and I have. 
I've asked Microsoft about when it's going to be available on Edge, and I haven't gotten any uh, response back from them yet. When I was at the conference back in November, I said, hey, you know, there's this new blab, and it's WebRTC, and when that's going to support it in, in Edge, and they didn't give me an answer. So you have to, Mark is back. So Mark, welcome back. Yeah, you got to watch it in Chrome. That's kind of the best experience uh, from, a, from a Chrome standpoint. One more question we'll throw in there. Paul asked, for home security, a CAN service like Time Warner Intelligent Home, or roll your own. In other words, do you go with these cable companies now are starting to provide, and I, this is probably going to be a, a bigger trend in 2016 and beyond, where your cable provider is providing home security uh, in, in the form of, you know, Internet of Things type devices. You buy a package from them. They keep track of it. Mike, uh, whole, go with them or, or roll your own. And, and is home automation, which we're going to talk about a little bit here on the show, is home automation, do you think it's ready for a full-fledged roll-your-own solution for home security? For the average person, no, I don't think it is. I think you, you got to go with the can thing. You know, so I don't know if we're going to get to this or not, but you have this guy coming up before, sometime in 2016, the guy who does the that doorbell, the Ring doorbell. Yeah, Ring.com. Yeah, Ring. a couple weeks. And, and I'm going to be very interested to watch that show because one of the things I'm, I'm wondering is, is what I have, version one, and they're not devoting any resources to fixing all the problems with version one because they're working all the, they're putting all their efforts towards version two. And version two is the fix for all the problems in version one. Uh, it has a lot of promise. There's a lot of things that I would like about it if it would do that. And it can be, I was thinking of it as a type of home security. I would, you know, get motion alerts on, on the front of my house. And if it worked, the way I was hoping it would, I was going to put another one in the back of my house that no one would use as a doorbell. I would just use it as an alert system, sort of like a you know, a cheap security system. But it, it has worked so poorly in the front of the house that I'm not willing to buy it in the back of the house. I'll wait for version two and see if that's better. But again, that's not for the average person. For the average person, they're prob they probably want more of a you know pre a prepackaged system that somebody else is going to put in. Maybe for some of your listeners who are a little more above average, they may want to do some of these things on their own. Yeah, I think if, if you've got the, you know, if you're in that space and you're listening to the podcast and you're savvy that way, yeah, I think you can roll your own. I mean, I think we're to that point, not for the average guy. I think the average guy, we're still maybe, in, 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 and let's talk about that. I think, uh, you know, I put in the show notes here to talk in 2016, I think this really becomes the year of home automation. And it becomes a situation, when we think of home, off, home automation, we really think of it in terms of lights cameras in action. That's kind of what, the, what I wrote in the show notes there. In the action bit being home security. So it's a nice segue into that. I think, you know, when we think you and I have an echo and, uh, and, and we love that echo and it's driving the lights out in our house. In fact, we just got a new lamp and I said to my wife, I guess I'm going to need to buy another Philips Hue light to add to the mix. And there was no argument. It was just like, yeah, let's get this done. Right. I mean, so it's, it's working well enough. That's uh, it's accepted pretty well in our house. Um, of course, when we think about home security, we think about sensors and cameras, right, from that standpoint. And we've done a lot of talking both here and on uh, Home Server Show. The NAS environment, I think, Mike, is to a place now where those cameras actually make sense to house that. You know, Ring is sending that, those, that, that data to the cloud, cloud yeah. but, but a lot of the camera devices are sending it to a NAS that's local right. just because it's so, much, um, it's so much video. And so I think we're going to see continued... I don't know about cameras, but I definitely know there's a whole bunch of work going on with sensors around it. I've seen a kind of a, a new surge of sensors for both windows and doors. Um, I think we're going to get better coordination when we think about, so your doorbell, 
it it coordinating uh, with other devices, not just standing alone. This was the problem with thermostats when they first come, came out, right? They just kind of stood alone. I think we need to see some coordination between those lights, you know, so lights come on, they know it knows you're out of the house. Like, so your thermostat knows you're out of the house It go, and it's night and it says, oh, I should probably go into security mode. So it ups the cameras, maybe turns a few security lights on, turns lights on and off in the house from a security purpose to make it look like your home. I don't think we're that far away from that. Do you think that comes some of that? I think some of that comes in 2016. I, you know, hopefully they'll get better. You know, like you, I got my first, well, I have the the, the, the Philips Hue lights like you do. Um, and that was a, a easy win. I thought my wife might be resistant because they're not cheap. But she's like your wife in that now we have them. I can't imagine not having them. But for me, it started with the Nest thermostat. And I don't use it with the way they do the whole learning thing and all that. So it's not what the way I use it. It may not be unique to the Nest. It may be something that's for all Wi-Fi enabled thermostats where you can control them from your phone or from a, you know, remotely um, doing that. And that got me hooked on wanting to hook more and more things up with Wi-Fi. You know the the lights now I have hooked up with Wi-Fi. Then the the Nest I have the 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 Ring at uh, you know there. Like Robin had said earlier though, is one of the things now I've got all these different apps on my phone because none of them they all work with their own app, including you know the Alexa which are the Echo, the Echo, Philips, the the Nest, yeah. the the Ring. The, so my phone's getting filled up with all of these different apps to control all these different things and oh by the way since you know i set up some of these things on an old phone now i can't adjust my alarms on on phillips because it's on a new phone so there's, there's some challenges there and one of the things I, I hope that they continue to do is listen to us users and make those improvements because while i love the phillips lights i don't know if we've had a, a any kind of app improvement since we bought them i've i've gotten several uh app upgrades to the phillips on my iphone okay to the Philips app. Well, you're now, it that. hasn't changed the functionality, right? I haven't seen yeah, anything like, that's what, have, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, I've gotten updates, but I haven't seen any like huge. We, we just talked about this. If you're listening, we just talked about this. We finally got a Cyber Frontiers out. It's been about four months since we did a Cyber Frontiers. And so I got Christian and his roommate, Jeremy, together. I'll throw the link in the chat room. Christian and Jeremy and I talked about Internet of Things security the other day on Cyber Frontiers. And so if you're kind of into this, and you've missed or you stopped subscribing to Cyber Frontiers, you might want to pop back out there and talk about. It. Did you get an echo, Mike, on your on your computer there? You were looking you were looking around like there was, was you're getting on my other computer. On my other computer, Chrome crashed. <laughs> oh, I gotcha, I gotcha. Um, yeah, so I think so. Uh, I think in 2016 around home automation, we'll see an improvement. Now it's going to be hard to shift that. All those companies want their hub to do the work. Right. That's That's, they want to lock you into that ecosystem. And so I think I'm going to be on um, I'm going to be on open mic night here next week. And Mike and I are going to talk about. So he's normally on my show. I'm going to be on his. And we're going to talk about ecosystems, like getting locked into the ecosystem, the Apple or into the Windows ecosystem. And, and I'm going to talk. I'm going to come at it from a Windows side. But those home automation companies are certainly locking you in with their hubs, right? They want you to buy their $20 light bulbs or in, in the case of the ones with color, the $65 light bulbs or the strips that you bought, Mike, right? Yeah. That They want to lock you into that. So that, that could be hard. Used. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they should be used. They should be. I haven't found where I want to use them yet. But, you know, for what's going to, what I see end up happening to me is because now I'm hooked on having more stuff hooked up to Wi-Fi 
is I probably will get more Phillips Hue lights, but I also, as something else, you mentioned some of the other security things, I might get some different cameras or I might get some door sensors or some uh, window sensors, something like that. And uh, I end, I'm going to end up with even more apps controlling more things. Robin mentioned you can have, you know, uh, on the Philips Hue, you can have more than one person controlling those lights. And my wife and I both have that too. Um, I just haven't done something with the phone to move it over. But I see me becoming even more, what, what is that, segmented and all that and having less having even more things i got to go and control more disparate right more, more having to go to more systems to get it done we're, we're not those systems don't look like i don't think in 2016 they're going to consolidate i think it's a couple, or a couple of years someone has to win like and this is we're still in that space where they're all they all contain you know one third market share where there's no clear winner and no clear majority i think at some point and maybe 2016 will be the tipping point but we need one of those hubs to become market share so that the so a standard can be made right right from that right. standpoint. Yeah. That's what so, we need some kind of generic open source or something like that hub that it won't be open. It it's never open. Open never wins, right? It's never one of those things That's where true. the open source community wins. It's gonna have to be commercial because they're the only ones who will pour money into it. I hate to say that, but that's kind of the way it goes. If you're just joining us uh, from Blab, Home Gadget Geeks, we do have an open seat. If you want to come in, we're taking callers to come in and talk about um, uh, tech. What, what are you looking ahead for in tech for 2016? What do you, what do you think is going to happen out there in 2016? Um, and we got a question here. Let's throw that in the in the chat room. So, uh, Mike, you said Chrome crashed. It happens a lot. How do you prevent it? And why does it do it so much? Now, Chrome doesn't crash very much for me. But me is this either. something? Yeah. Yeah, so I'm running on that. This is another computer. That's why it didn't affect me here on this one. So I, I have another computer running here. Uh, I, I can't remember the last time Chrome crashed on me over here. The only thing that's different tonight is I do have the, uh, the what is that, the Alabama, uh, Michigan yeah, the State football game. game. Yeah, Michigan State game. And going running uh, Windows Media Center. And I don't know if that somehow has interfered with that or something. So I for me, Chrome crashes. doesn't crash. Yeah. Chrome does not crash that much on any of my computers. It doesn't crash that much. Um, Paul, I might ask you what OS you're running it on. Is it a Windows? And if it's Windows, it's probably the underlying Windows as opposed to Chrome. I'm not saying Chrome is perfect, but I, I think you know you might have a bad running install. Windows 10, he says. Yeah, well, well you Wait. might you might want to check it, re-uninstall it, reinstall it. It's pretty stable. All the instances of uh, Chrome I'm running on Windows 10 here, both on the Surface and in a VM, work pretty well. So, might want to check some local settings on that. And the only thing I notice is when there's an update out, and you got the little the whatever you call that little hamburger or hot dog or whatever that little hamburger, menu, hamburger that right little thing there. is. Whenever it's orange to show you that you know it has an update, there are times when something doesn't quite work right for me, and I need to go ahead and and do the, apply the update and have it run. But I, other than what happened tonight, I don't know the last time it's crashed for me. I would blame Windows 10 long before I'd blame blame Chrome at this point. Now that may be different in the spring. I think Windows is going to get um, um, really stable come spring, but I think for now it's still. Little sketchy. Real quick here, uh, Justin Archer jumps in. Speaking of Chrome, he says, "Have you or anyone you know ever blabbed from a Chromebook? And if so, what was their experience?" I, I haven't. I don't have a Chromebook. I don't think you have a Chromebook either. I do do you, Mike? I imagine it runs the Chrome browser. I think it would probably work pretty well. I, I can't imagine why it wouldn't. It's got a camera and a microphone. That and it, you know, to be honest, the the video here in in Blab is is not of great quality. And it's tiny, so I would imagine it's not a heavy video, not heavy on the video card. 
Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and, and Blab's not a huge requirement on video. I mean, they've really scaled this thing down, although I think the audio is a little bit better than what we get out of a, out of a hangout, which what we would uh, normally be in. You know, the problem with Chromebooks, and, and I think when we think about 2016, I think, I think the day of the Chromebook is over for the most part. I mean, schools are using them, and, but it's not a serious device. And most of them, it's like a Windows, like a really cheap Windows laptop that is underpowered. Yeah, they're just terrible. It's they're terrible pieces of equipment. If they would build them with a little bit better hardware on them, you might... You might see a difference, but the, some of those cheap Chromebooks are just junk. I mean, I, I can't, the, you know, the Kangaroo PC, the mobile PC that Mike, uh, we got from Mike Weger, that's really the very first inexpensive Windows whatever that I bought that's worth anything up until now. And I think that's Bay Trail on the, on the chip set there. Up until now, man, they've all just, those Windows PCs have just all been junk that were $200 or less. I think the Chromebook faces or is facing the same kind of dilemma that it still takes some hardware to run. And we and we do know in 2016 that Chrome, uh, the Chrome OS is going to look a little bit more like Android and a little a little bit less like Chrome OS. So I think there's some yeah. uh, I think there's some changes coming with that. I was just counting if you if I don't know if I was moving my lips as I was counting there. I have, 50, <laughs> I have 52 tabs open in Chrome right now on this computer, uh, including this Blab. So 52 tabs open in this computer, which uh, is light for me. I generally run a little bit more than that. But across the two computers, I generally run about 150 tabs. Uh, so 52 on this one. And and with the Blab going and everything else, I'm doing somewhere between 16 and 24% CPU. So it's not, it's not heavy on the CPU, I think. So a Chromebook, Chromebook should work. Yeah. No, I think it should. Although, so Stargate Pioneer uh, just sent me a note, and he said they have a co-host on one of his shows that tries to use a Chromebook and it, it doesn't work for it. Oh, maybe there's something so, to it. Yeah. On this machine, um, what's what's that? What's your name? Sprint? No. Sprint uh, that is Paul, I believe is his. Let's let's look. Paul, yeah. yeah, Paul. Paul. Uh, no, this machine is a AMD uh, eight core. True eight core. Not like I'll the fake. It. Not like the fake four. It's an AMD. Core. That's not real. Come on. <laughs> AMD hasn't made a real chip in 10 years. I'm just joking. They are falling further behind, yes. Just totally, totally joking. Um, uh, Brian Auer asked, what about your 3050 micro? That's that Dell micro PC I bought for Sarah. Um, what about it? Would it work? Yeah, I, I, it would It would work. It's Well, oh, I see what he's saying. Is that a good PC? I wish I'd, I wish I'd have given her the kangaroo, to be honest. But it, I don't know if it's as good as that kangaroo is dynamite. And um, I, I kind of wish I'd, I'd waited and got the kangaroo for her. It's been fine. She's been fine with it. It's, she had a few problems. It does have, you can upgrade the RAM, get more, you know, more RAM in there. I think if I were to do it again, I'd rather get the Core i3 version of it. I went the cheaper out. You know, I did the 199 or whatever, 179. I just think if you're going to do any serious computing, a Core i3 is your minimum for, for yeah. a lot of for serious computing, just web browsing and that kind of stuff, email, uh, that's fine. But uh, so Justin then said, what about um, what about the 2015 Toshiba Chromebook 2 with a core, uh, Intel Core i3? Yeah, I mean, a Chromebook with the Core i3? Yeah, that's a serious, that's a, a serious professional uh, processor. So yeah, I think that might, you might have a better chance of What do of regular that. Chromebooks have? Oh, the the uh, either the Celeron or the cheap 
the cheap Adam, I think I could be wrong okay. on that, but they're, they're the cheap ones usually came with a pretty, with a pretty poor price. We're getting some great questions in here. Yeah. I like that. Uh, so What's Kevin Schmidt, let's ask this one. This is not what I intended the show to be was questions. I intended to be 2016 look ahead, but we'll ask these. Will there be a good ready play replacement alternative to windows media player? And I'll, I'll say in 2016, that would be a good, what I'm hoping for uh, that we see. So for, for me, for a replacement for windows media center, I need DVR, right? That's the key piece that I need for it. I'm hoping the guys at Silicon dust release their DVR software in 2016, right? They promised it September, October of 2015. We didn't see it. And they, they did a Kickstarter campaign and, did some things to kind of build that up. We haven't really seen it. I don't know if it's in beta. I'm not on the beta team for it, so I haven't seen it. But we have not. Um, so it would be great, Mike. I think that would be a huge hope if we actually came up with something to replace Windows Media Center on Windows 10 yeah. in 2016. Yeah, you know, I don't use it that often. And tonight, actually, when I went to use it, um, I had to update a whole bunch of stuff to get it to work. But every time I use it, I go, oh, this is so nice. You know, they have uh, the computer. I use it only on my computer here. They have TV playing on here and doing all that kind of stuff. Uh, I can record, pause. This is a full DVR. Uh, and I used to use it on our, our TV, but, you know, we got the TiVo handling that now. I would hate to lose it. And that's one of the reasons why I won't update this machine to Windows 10. I don't want to get rid of Windows uh, Media Center. And once you do that, you lost it. So it seems that there would be some market for some of us, for all, you know, a lot of this, you know, the, the tech guys, to have to be able to sell something like that you know if we're willing to buy basically for for those guys for the for the silicon dust people you don't provide that how why are we going to buy your your hd home runs anymore if you want to keep selling hd home run hd home runs you're going to have to give us some kind of software to use it because eventually we're going to move off of windows 7. mark yeah and mark makes a good point when he says you know next pvr is a good dvr good dvr software i think that is an open source and he's he's mentioned to that me a couple times trying to get me to try it. Every time I go over to look at it, I go, man, this is going to take a Saturday for me to figure out. And I just don't, I don't have a whole Saturday to give to it. So uh, 25 bucks a year, you know, Windows Media Center is free. For me, it's easier still to just run an instance of Windows 7 to get to get Media Center. That's what we run the TV on out in the living room. And uh, that works well. But I, I think uh, he tells me it's really, really easy. So Mark, I'll, I may hold you to that. If uh, I, I, I need to get... It, it's easy for you because you know it, but when you're coming at it new, that first, the first time you're doing it, it's never that easy. So I, I will, I believe you. It's pretty easy. It's never as easy as people say it is. You know how that goes. So, um, so yeah, maybe, maybe we'll see a good replacement. Certainly next PVR is not mainstream at this point. Like you don't, I don't hear all kinds of people talking about it saying, oh yeah, I'm building my DVR with next, you know, with next yeah, on that. Yeah. It not like media center. I mean, certainly Media Center's got the uh, at the advantage. So uh, Brian asked the question, uh, what are each of your 2016 wants and desires for new toys upgrades other than, <laughs> other than Jim buying everyone an ATR 2100? That's a great question, Brian. From that. <laughs> Mike, what as you think have, about gadgets going forward for 2016, what do you think? I have two things that come to my mind right away, and I'm, they're two totally different things. One's going to bring it back into JPEG to RAW. And that is, you know, the, the new, it's some, somewhat new um, trend in, in photography is to have these uh, mirrorless cameras. Sony is really pushing Canon and Nikon 
with adding features and all doing all this kind of stuff and, and adding one of the things that they're doing is is mirrorless cameras. So no longer in these things, they have a mirror that slaps up, opens the, the image sensor and then takes the photo. There's a lot of advantages to that as those things get better. So my want is that Nikon will come out with a a good competitor to that, an alternative for that, for that, and in the DSLR sized or semi-sized range, that would be an option. I'm looking, I'm in the market in the next year or so for another camera. And I want that technology. I want Nikon to keep up with that and offer us something like that. Something with a high, with a high megapixel, good dynamic range and, um, uh, you know, good uh, frames per second at, at a semi-decent price. What do you think the chances of that happening in 2016 are? I think they're fairly good. I think that Nikon and Canon is going to have to be a mindset change that uh, we're going to either have to adapt and, and keep up or die, uh, and that at least that size of our business. But you never know. You know, Sears watched Walmart just fly by them, and I'm sure they thought, you know, Walmart, why do we need to worry about Walmart? We're Sears. And, you know, eventually they got, <laughs> they're not dead, but they definitely are not Walmart size. No, they are not. Yeah, so we have a Sears outlet store here that went from being at the mall to like two bays in a strip mall. Yeah. And so you get craftsman tools and appliances and that's about it. Canon's a well-diversified, and Nikon too, well-diversified company. So it's not like it's going to yeah. kill the company. But you have more and more Nikon and Canon shooters are moving to Sony because of uh, a ton of options that I don't need to go into here, but th that's driving a lot of people over there. So I want I don't want to leave because all this glass. Well, you only see one of them here, um, but I have other glass somewhere else you can't see. It's all Nikon. I don't want to switch, but I want Nikon to add us something. So that's one. The other one is completely unrelated, and it's more of an upgrade. Ryan said something about upgrade uh, as one of his things, and that is I would love for a Microsoft to. Do something um, with Excel. I use Excel day in and day out, and they come up with these little tweaks that don't do much. And I'm sure there's, I've sent several emails into them. I'm sure they have somebody who laughs every time I send it in and hits delete. Um, <laughs> they, they, they stand around the water cooler and laugh hilariously. Oh, he wants this. <laughs> and I got I got a little bit of insight to that's probably what does happen whenever I went to my one home server meet, and you guys had a guy who was on the Excel team at one point. And I gave him my idea, mm -hmm. and uh, he he did chuckle a little bit. <laughs> cash cow for them, you know that, right? They haven't changed that thing in fifteen years, and it shows. Yeah, I mean, uh, so that I want to see some updates there that are for us power users who have to be the last people you'll. If you start looking at that as a dying market, we will be the last ones to leave. You know, we we there's some right. power users where we need some stuff, and they have not been addressing what we need. Uh, in my opinion, there, the people who are building these little, you know, you know, ten thousand rows or something like that, spreadsheets, that yeah, it probably works fine for them. Can you give me one example, Mike, of what when when you so, think so here's a, here's two great examples. There are I have a twelve a six core machine at work, twelve cores hyperthreaded. There are many many instances where I'm doing something, it uses one core. So I'm using eight is one core, eight percent of the CPU maxed out. The rest of it's sitting there, and it's a go to lunch type of thing. Or if I used all the cores, that probably wouldn't be a problem. The second one is, you know the tabs at the bottom, how you can have tabs at the bottom, right? And if you're building a big spreadsheet, it's not unusual to have 30, 40, 50 tabs. So finding those tabs is difficult. And then you color code them to make them easier to find. What would be better is to have some summary tabs at the top. So I have, let's say I have 
10 tabs that are my raw data I'm bringing in. I have one tab at the top that is my raw data tab. I click on that raw data tab, and now there's those 10 tabs. And I can have as many tabs as that one I want. That's a way for me to organize my tabs um, and, and be able to get to them easier so I can segment these off. Ah, those are raw data. I won't use those too often. These are whatever. And yeah, I end up having maybe my five or six output tabs, and I have them separated. So I told him that. He said, yeah, there's nobody who wants to use that. I've never heard that before. Which, <laughs> okay, fine. I've, you're, you're getting all kinds of guys. props right now. You're getting all <laughs> kinds of props in, in uh, Blab. Well, it, when so. it comes out. People will love it. I'm telling you, people will love it, and, and nobody's going to remember I said anything about it. But that's one of the things I would love. The whole thing about color coding works with the eight tabs you can see in front of you on the screen, but all the others, you're scrolling, 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 scrolling. Oh, there it is. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Well, hopefully they'll uh, – well, hopefully, I doubt it, but hopefully they'll make some changes there in 2016. Robin asked me the question, Jim, have you uh, – speaking of 2016, do you have a Surface Book yet? I do not. They are very, very, very expensive. They're version one, and I got to see how the sausage was made when I went to Redmond uh, in November. I, I'm not sure I'm a version one guy. Uh, did I say virgin? A version one. It's the same thing. Uh, guy on the Surface Book. I think they're going to learn some lessons. It's much like the, uh, I've got my, you know, I've got my band. You can't see it, but I've got my band two back here charging. The version one of this was not very good. The version two of it's pretty good. Now it's still got some shortcomings, but the, it's better to go version two. So I yeah. think, no, that's not on my Christmas list for, or, or on my wish list for 2016. I do have a Surface Pro three. Uh, I've been thinking about trading that in on a Surface Pro four. I don't know. I don't think I get enough lift from that. For, for me, 2016, I don't think is going to be the year of a Windows 10 device. I've got everything I need running in the way I need it at this point, and I want to focus on some other things. So, uh, I got a Surface Pro 4 uh, last week to replace the 3. And, uh, I, you know, the 3 was a great device. I love I loved the 3. And the 4 is continues to improve it. It's the keyboard's yeah. even no, better. Good. Yeah, the screen's even better. So it's 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 not like revolutionary, but it is. You know, what is it called when it's not revolutionary? It's, um, it's just another generation of it. Yeah, you know yeah, yeah. It, yeah. It is. It is. It is evolutionary. Better. Evolutionary. It is evolutionary. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, chat room, for that one. Yes, thank you, um, I uh, so Robin says she loves her band one. That's cool. I didn't. <laughs> I, if you like your band one, that's awesome. I tried them on. I hated them. They were thick and bulky and. I, I didn't like the way that thing was straight across your wrist, and I, I just didn't like it. And I said, I'll wait for version 2. And I bought it the second day it came out on version 2 because I said I would. And I liked it so far, although it just reset on me. Yesterday, something happened, and I'm back to the setup. So if you – where did I set this thing down at? If I turn it on right now, I'm at the setup screen, which I'm like, oh, why did that happen? I didn't – I did invoke a reset of any kind, and – John, uh, one of our listeners, has bought one, and he has had trouble with the Bluetooth. Any device like this is going to struggle from that standpoint. So, You know, so for me, I stopped wearing a watch. I had the old Casio that had the calculator on it. You remember those things back in the 80s? Oh, yeah. Casio yeah, wristwatch. Yeah, oh, yeah. That was the last wristwatch I owned. Is it had the little calculator on it. I saw one time a guy who had, like, temperature and wind speed on his watch. Like, oh, my God, I'd love to get that. I don't know why I ever need this, but I, I would love to have that. But, that you know, back then, this last watch I, wa I got, until recently I bought the Fitbit, and uh, the Fitbit Surge is what I have. And it's not error-free. It has its problems, too. Like, they did a firmware upgrade uh, last month, 
And now the battery, instead of lasting uh, four or five days, lasts a day and a half. So, you know, there's some issues there. But one of the things it did for me is I want to have a, the, all the data I'm getting. Right. I had the data dumping into a spreadsheet uh, using if this, then that. Uh, I have the scale, too, at home. And all that's dumping into a spreadsheet. I get the sleep information, all this information and the data I'm getting. So whether I stick with the, the Fitbit or go to the band or go to something else, um, I want to I want to have some kind of watch. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, I ran the Garmin 220 for a year and a half, and I liked having a watch again. I'd gone 10 years without a watch, and it was so nice much. to have that. And then and now that I've back to the band, uh, I like having I like having it there. It's been a great thing. One of the points I was going to make tonight in the show notes is that, you know, one, 2016 is going to be a year of home automation. Two, it's going to be the year of the wearable. And uh, I just think we're going to see, I mean, I know there's tons of wearables, right? I, I'm, I'm, it's not like they're brand new. Okay, I get that. But this is the year I think they really get usable, right? I think the services behind them get really good. I think they get some of the things we see coming out from Samsung. Some of, the, of course, the Apple Watch is out. I don't like that. I don't like that UI. They'll fix that in the next version of it and make all the all those uh, Apple fanboys who bought version one cry. But they'll do it. They'll fix that, much like Microsoft fixed the band two. And I think you know by the end of the year we'll see a band three, and it'll be improved even more. And so I think that's one of those things that. These wearables, these watches, I think this is, we're going to see a lot of changes in uh, in 2016. And I, I surprisingly, I think it's going to come from an, the Android side. I think their watches are going to get really good this year in 2016. I, I, want, I hope we continue to see even more data, not just the more accurate and, and, you know, better fitting, but more data. You know, I'd love to be able to see blood pressure. I'd love to be able to see, I don't know if these things are even possible, so don't, don't, crucify me here in the chat room if uh, you, you laugh at me because these things aren't possible. But I love to see, you know, even things like blood sugar levels or something like that, even if it's just an estimate. Um, you know, all these things that that do that and in, in, in stored in data. Now, I don't want to go into the necessarily where my insurance company can see it. I want to have it just me. Uh, but I like to get get more data. Well, I saw a note today on, I think, where the, these little nano sensors that you would get injected into your bloodstream and you would, they would measure, I mean, think about being able to measure triglycerides, you yeah. know, so uh, cholesterol, good and bad. Uh, some of those kinds of things, broken camera, hang on here one second. We'll, we'll bring in in a second and, or not. And, um, and so I, I you think go first on that, yeah, what on the, the injectable nanites. Well, yeah. Yeah, that, yeah. Imagine hackers hacking into that, you know, yeah. uh, from that standpoint. Um, so yeah, so I think in 2016, we're going to see more of the wearables, but I think you're right. It's just, that part's just going to get better. I was talking with, with Bill Conrad this morning about it. And I think we're getting to a point where these sensors, where we feed this, this data to, you know, the health vault and, uh, an automated doctor, right? A algorithm, so to speak, keeps track of all of our data. And we get these automated helpful messages like, hey, jackass, you shouldn't have eaten that whole box of Captain Crunch yesterday because now your blood sugar is going through the rough, right? Kind of deal. Yeah. Um, there was I, a movie of oh, the island, I think it was, with uh, Ewan McGregor, the guy who was 
Han Solo, not Han, the original Han Solo, yeah, yeah. in one of the episodes, one or something like that, where he would, when he urinated into the the toilet and uh, there, it would analyze it. Oh. Have you seen that? And it would no, give him like, that you, makes know, sense. you know, your blood sugar is is two points it, too high. You know, would, yeah, those kind yeah. of things. So it would make sense. Some of those, it, whether we get to that or not, I don't know. But having more information is is good. Now, like like um, John was saying, you do want to have some control over it because. I'm not sure I want insurance companies or anybody else other than me knowing. Okay, we're going to give it a shot. We'll see if Broken Camera has got a question or something for 2016 he wants to yes, bring in. Hopefully. Yes, Can you hear me okay? We can, we, can, we can hear you. We can't see you, but go ahead and ask your question or your comment. Well, it was my comment was the best um, tech um, – the best tech uh, product that's going to sell in 2016. I just got it last week from Amazon. It's called the RFID blocking wallet. Because oh, all these man. credit cards and debit cards are going to have chips in them now. And people are going to electronically pickpocket you if you don't have one of these wallets. And I tested it out. It works perfectly. Perfectly. Yeah. No, you're, you're, you're probably I right. To, I, I used it in, uh, in the uh, subway in Boston. Now, I usually keep my uh, subway thing inside my wallet. Don't have to take it out. Just tap it, and it still works through the wallet. But with this new, with this new uh, wallet here, I open the wallet even with the plastic, the uh, clear window part. I put the uh, thing in, in the clear window, and it still wouldn't work. So I'm like, wow, this thing is amazing. I think it would sell like hotcakes in 2016. What do you think? Yeah, no, I think I. I think, oh, and thanks for jumping in here, Brung Camera. That, that's a great, that didn't make my list at all. But that actually, I know there are some people who are concerned about that, right? And he's right. Yeah. We're moving to these chips that I get more and more vulnerable when we talk about proximity. And um, I'm bringing on uh, one of the guys, uh, a good friend of mine, Zach from UNO. He's, he works at the University of Nebraska at Omaha. And he has this new device called Coin. And you you virtually load your credit cards into it. And it it then takes the place of your credit card. So you don't even carry them with you, right? It sets them up and it doesn't transmit unless, you know, you tell it to and some of those kinds of things. But Mike, that's interesting. That's the other side of the equation. That's um, a device that mimics your credit cards. If you had then also one that protects your credit cards, are you worried about these new chips? I mean, you're kind of in the retail business, so you get this part. Yeah, and, and i tell you what, the chips don't do hardly anything the way we did it here in the U.S., don't do hardly anything for us as consumers to give us more security. And they could, as, as the caller, I forgot his name, but as the caller uh, said, it could actually give us more risk as people can hack into them potentially. And, you know, mobile payments and all that kind of stuff adds more risk. So I think personal security, personal data security like that is going to become a bigger market. I think more people are going to want something to protect their, their data. Um, you know, we're all going to have throughout the, the, if you don't already have it, you're going to get it in 2016. All your cards are going to have those chips on them. Yeah. Yeah. For, uh, pretty much mandatory for the most part. I know we don't go deep into that, but I'll tell you that it's, it's uh, in my opinion, it's a way for the Visa MasterCard to shift their liability onto the merchants, not to provide you as an end user more security. Absolutely was, Mike. That was an absolute political play. To yeah. get that, because they've been they've been covering it right at this point. Yeah. They've the the onus has been on the banks or the 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 you know the transaction source and the consumer in in the United States. We've been a hundred percent fraud yeah. free, right? We don't care, whatever. 
And and if you haven't been watching, the 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 onus of responsibility is quickly shifting onto you as opposed yes. to the merchants or the or the banks. Well, you got it when you shift it to the merchant. I guess wherever it is, you get, the consumer ends up paying. Um, but and it's also does not like the whole data breaches where you had Home Depot and Target and those guys just doesn't do anything to help those things out. So that chip is not going to help that process that process out. Um, and it could, you know, as I don't know, I haven't looked at that whether it does cause more security having those things in your wallet, but it could. Uh, so that if it does, that would be a good a good protection that the caller mentioned. I got to bring this one. So Stephen gets the prize for <laughs> for being original. Would you pee on your watch to get vitals? That might be not a if little... it's on my arm. <laughs> Do I get to take it off my arm first? <laughs> oh, Stephen, nice job! That uh, you get the uh, you get the 2015 originality award for doing that. Uh, that that's a good point. The um, and then um, let's see, I missed it. Uh, uh, Kath said, uh, any suggestions on a nice, fast, non-gaming ultrabook? Well, non-gaming and ultrabook are two those those two words usually don't go together. When you when you, when you're in the ultrabook category, you're gonna pay top dollar for what you're getting from that standpoint. Actually, um, you know, so Robin had mentioned the the uh, the Surface Book. Um, that's in version one. It's super expensive uh, from that standpoint. But that's a nice, I, I like the Surface Pro 4 is an ultra. Uh, you got to check that out. My recommendation, if you want to stay on the Windows side on an Ultrabook, stop by, and because this is going to be time-shifted material, and so folks are going to be listening to this months from now. Um, stop by the Microsoft Store, and they're, if you if you got one in your area, they're really super helpful. And, uh, you know, anything, uh, you know, I kind of like what's going on at Lenovo right now, although they've got mm -hmm. some some weird stuff going on with their software. But anything, if you can get, uh, if you can get any kind of device that's a signature PC, again, this is on the Windows 10 side, if you can get a signature PC device from the Microsoft channel, doesn't have to be built by Microsoft, but signature PC, that kind of guarantees you don't have all that crapware on it that comes with it from these companies, right? Microsoft kind of watches it and you get just the software you need from the manufacturer. So, Kath, as you're looking for laptops and Ultrabooks, if you can get to a Microsoft store, look at Microsoft.com and you can look through some of their signature PCs, find one that you like that has the settings that you're looking for and, the you know, the right equipment in the right price range and then shop around for that one. You might be able to find it cheaper, but make sure you get that signature PC uh, kind of piece on it from Microsoft. That'll ensure those little Mike, those little kangaroo devices that we reviewed a couple of weeks ago, signature PCs, right? They have no crapware on them. Um, in fact, the guys at um, uh, InFocus could probably put a little more software on it. Mike was having some trouble getting that connected to his um, his iPad. <laughs> when my son went off to college, I we bought him a Lenovo ThinkPad, and I don't know I don't know what qualifies a a, a Ultrabook versus a non Ultrabook, but this is a Core i seven money. money. <laughs> yeah, it's expensive. not cheap. This was, yeah. you know, the fifteen, sixteen hundred dollars for that laptop, but it's a Core i seven. Um, it didn't get the Ultra HD screen. This is the the regular HD screen. This is still a really good screen, and it's plenty fast enough. And it's small. I mean, it's I gave them both the Surface Pro three and that thing, and said, pick which one of these you like. And you know, both of them were i seven machines that I gave them to play around with. And ultimately, he came in and he said he likes the. Lenovo, Lenovo keyboards. I love the the keyboard in that Lenovo. It's a great keyboard. And Core i7, it's you know it's a mobile Core i7, so it's not equal to your desktop, but it's still a great laptop and working well for him. And I think you can get a Lenovo version on from the Microsoft Store that channel that is signature. 
and you can, you might pay a little bit more. You're not going to get, it's not going to be the bottom. Can, you kind of get what you pay for. If you're going to save a hundred bucks and you're not going to go with signature, you're going to kind of get junkware that's put on there. So just kind of something to watch out for. Hey, we want to welcome our friends from Australia. Rennie just jumped in and said, happy 2016 already 2016, of course, in, in, in the Brisbane where Rennie is. So welcome uh, Rennie and, and our friends in Australia. They're already, they're, they're, they're uh, time travelers. They're already ahead uh, to 2016. All right. Um, let's also, uh, while I'm thinking about it, I think when we think about 2016 going forward, uh, I think about this battle that's going to go on between augmented reality and virtual reality. Mm -hmm. And when we think of on the augmented side, uh, you know, we think of the HoloLens, we think of Google Glass. I think Google's going to come without with another augmented version. I think they're working on that behind the scenes right now. Glass is kind of gone and it, it it's done. I think glass is done, but I think we'll see something new from Google, maybe yet in 2016 from the augmented side. And then of course, Oculus, right? That, that is the, that's when we think about virtual reality, Oculus has kind of got the hearts and minds of most people Two totally. And I don't think a lot of people realize, I mean, two totally different technologies, right? One is mm -hmm. seeing through the vision to augment what you're already looking at. The other one is completely immersing in it. And, and so uh, the battle maybe is one I just made up because they're two totally different things. But I think, you know, we just sent a pair of ho uh, HoloLens to the space station. So they're now working with those um, in space, which is, which is pretty cool. I've also watched some videos of folks with Oculus Rift, and it's hilarious to watch them, like, react, you know, because they're completely immersed in it. Mike, on either one of those sides, and maybe we'll take, uh, I'll take some instant feedback from the chat room. If you think about 2016 and you're going to buy either one of those, are you going to buy augmented or are you going to buy, um, are you going to buy the, uh, I totally lost, augmented or are you going to buy virtual? So augmented yeah. or virtual in the chat room, Mike, what are you going to do? I, I, um, I don't know that this is going to make sense, but I think the, I think it's cooler the augmented. I like I like that better. I know why because I the what I've seen in the previews were not that I need plumbing help, but the, the lady who has the the the, the plumbing uh, thing and she's got the little arrows going around. You know, the, the guy who's the plumber's on the other side and he's saying, "All right, turn this thing that way," and it superimposes an arrow over the top of the pipe, telling her which way to turn it. The guy walking through and popping up Netflix on a wall or seeing the you know the weather and all that kind of stuff. I think that is is it's almost like you. Took a monitor from your computer with you and you're carrying it around and it's giving you feedback on all the things you're seeing. I think that is super cool. I'd love to have that. I don't know if I want the big thing on my face, uh, that kind of thing. I'm worried a little bit about the virtual reality where that might be cooler for playing games and stuff. I'm worried about that, you know, making me nauseous. And uh, no, a lot of people are. <laughs> it's, it happens, right? Yeah. I think we're going to, it's, it's, it's kind of like uh, the difference between watching uh, a, um, a documentary and watching a 3d movie right so oculus yeah. you're you're totally immersed right it's you're in it i think that has complete gaming application but not much more it would be tough that's true it, right then when but when you go to augmented all of a sudden you can do both right you can have games superimposed now yeah. the the, yeah. the hololens isn't there yet the field of vision is very small and we, we got a ways to go it's only going to get better as processors sure. get better but i think in your case, with with augmented, I think we get you get more options with augmented than you get with. Right. Well, you know when the three D TVs came out at first, my parents were bought one and for the for their house, and you know they were start watching TV with those three D goggles on, and you watch a couple of shows. There's not that many things to watch in the first place, but you watch a few shows, 
you know, I don't want to watch, I don't want to have to put this on my face every time I go to watch TV. So you don't use them that much. And so I would think that the, the virtual reality things would be the same way. It would be cool the first few times you use it, but every time you sit down to watch TV, you don't want to have to put them on. Gaming may be a little different. You know, when you sit down and want to play a game and you have something that's much more immersive than your, than your monitors, um, or you can't afford to have that, you know, the, the big monitors wrapping around you, that may be a good option for gaming. But I, I think the, the augmented reality, or whatever you called it, uh, we had, could have a lot more potential where you can use it a lot more, especially if those things got smaller. Yeah. Well, I think they're going to. You know, I think and they're going to get smaller and more and power it, efficient. And Yeah, and it could have a commercial use, too. You know, the, where the virtual reality may not have as much of a commercial use. You could have a bigger commercial use, um, you know, for, for, for the augmented reality stuff. Yeah. 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 Well, and then uh, just to go back, let's answer this question. So broken camera uh, uh, wrote in this time, by the way, great call, by the way, when you jumped in, that was a great discussion on covering the, you know, your cards. Is it true that smart TV cameras and uh, TVs and cameras are being hacked so the government and hackers can watch you without you knowing? Um, I don't know. I don't know if that's true or not. I, I certainly it's possible. Um, I, we haven't like conspiracy theories out there, but I will uh, tell you that I don't put anything past the government. I, I don't have any evidence one way or the other about anything. But I wonder 50 years from now, 20 years from now, when some of this data gets released and we find out, we go, hey, guess what? Back in the 2015 time frame, here's what they were doing, you know, type of thing. You wonder right. what – I think they're doing more stuff than we know about. And some of these rumors are just rumors and we will never be um, in this time be, you know, uh, proven. Right. But some of them, some of those rumors are going to turn out to be true. Well, and they don't need to hack my PC to get my a hold of my camera. They can just do it when I'm on Blab, right? They can they can hack it from the source. They can pull it right off the internet. So I don't know. And I think some of those people are worried about those cameras coming on when you're not like when you don't turn them on, right? Some of those or listening. Yeah. Uh, I think one of the points I was going to make uh, here about 2016. I think 2016 is the year of the virtual assistant, right? We've had Siri for a while, and Siri's pretty good. We have Google Now, which is getting better, uh, and we have Cortana now. Micro or uh, Facebook has announced Facebook M that is being beta tested in the Bay Area right now, which will be a virtual assistant. Um, and and all those devices require to work, right? They have, those things have to be turned on and listening to you, which means yeah. there's a microphone on all the time. So we talked about this on the latest version of, of Cyber Frontiers, the one we just recorded with Christian and, and Jeremy. It's security and, and convenience, right? It always is that that barrier between what makes it convenient so I can pick up my phone and go, okay, Siri, and she comes on, and then I, I quote it, or and then I say what I need to say, or do I want that thing listening to me all the time, and could it be hacked? It absolutely could. Could they be listening? They absolutely can. I wouldn't put it past anybody uh, to, to, to do those things. Does it stop me? Apparently not, because I keep... Yeah. I keep, I keep we, it on. we accept a certain level of risk, and but I think that security is going to become a um, bigger and bigger thing as we look for things to replace passwords. You know what? What can we replace passwords on? You know, my phone now I have the the Note Five, and uh, it has the fingerprint thing, which you know more and more phones are having that. I think the S Six and some of the Apple phones have it too, where you you can use your thumbprint or fingerprint or whatever it is to. As in place of your password, that's how you log in, or that's how I get into my bank app. So you look at different ways to replace those passwords that hopefully are more secure. 
But I think that there's nothing that we will find that this is the ultimate security and the game's over. It's always a race. And unfortunately, there's bad guys are working every day, every minute, every day to yeah. break the current. The current. Well, yeah. Mike, you said you were in the chat room for that Cyber Frontiers episode. And you said, yeah. you know, the good guys have to protect 100% of the time. Yeah. The bad guys only have to get it right once. And that's that was so that was so well stated. I hope you I hope that was original to you because that was so well stated. You know, it's original and, to me. But you know, I think about it from from my side, from the tech side that I have at my my job, is we have to try and protect our data every day. And you know, we go home. I'm home right now. I'm not sitting there actively trying to protect it. And you hope that what you put in place will will stave off the the hackers in the meantime, or or you hide in a crowd that they don't get you. But the hackers are trying every day, somewhere in the world, someone's trying to get into your stuff every day. And all they have to do is win one time. They're in, they got it. And all those wins that I got before are, are worthless. That's it. The, the, they're the house. They, yeah. they win. They win the majority of the time. We just talked about Fa uh, Facebook M uh, and, uh, and Broken Camera asked a question. How will Periscope and Blab go up against Facebook Live once it gets going? You know, this is interesting because... You know, Facebook certainly owns the social space right now. When we think about eyeballs, the number of eyeballs, I think Facebook's got to be number one of all the eyeballs are on it. But that does not in the in the in the history. We think of Microsoft, right? They have 1.2 billion PCs out there, but that didn't guarantee any kind of success in the mobile market. Um, it doesn't guarantee that Windows 10 is going to get the billion upgrades that they're expecting from it, right? I mean. Just because you own it and you dominate the market doesn't mean that you that you know you will continue to dominate the market. I think Blab, Periscope, and M, or let's just say Blab and Periscope and that live feature on on Facebook, are such a small percentage of use right now. I think sometimes we think like I know there's more video being recorded every second through a Google Hangout right now than all day on Blab, right? That's how small Blab is compared to what's going on in the Hangout space. It's just Blab is the shiny object. I think uh, Facebook Live is the, in Periscope, are shiny objects. But they're not having the impact that I think those of us that are in the ecosystem think they have. Mm -hmm. And so it's they're, they're still very small. So... I think they'll compete. Uh, they're going to, I mean, we still have a couple years to find out who who survives. I think um, we're still in the very, very early stages of this video stuff. Google was way ahead of the times with Google. Way ahead of the times. We're just now coming to that point where video is going to become pervasive in our in this kind of space. So I don't know, Mike, what do you think? No, I... I think you, I would never count Facebook out just because they have a huge market there. But didn't they integrate video, live video before? This is not their first round of this. They Yeah, well, remember they did they Skype? Would, they did a Skype where you could actually do video calls there. And I got to tell you, it was it did for me and for people who were calling me, it did not, it wasn't a big use. So most people didn't know it was there. But I would never count them out. I mean, they, they have a big, big, I mean, they have a massive market. Uh, and tiny little players like Blab, they could be just watching that. Hey, this let's find out what's work, what works, and then put it in there. They're they're not going to take over things like, um, you know, like YouTube or anything like that. It's not going to be that way. Yeah. Although they would like to be the next YouTube, I think that's a ways off. Yeah, YouTube yeah, Live so is huge, guys. YouTube Live, the stuff that's going through YouTube Live is gigantic. There's yeah. tons of stuff, and we're just scratching the surface with some of these new. I think the 
the game changer on this is just the ease of access. And, and in this case, Blab got it right from an interact, you know, from an interaction standpoint. There's yeah. great interaction to listeners and there's, you know, there's great stuff. And once again, every Blab always comes back to talking about Blab. If we were on Ask the Podcast Coach, I'd use the buzzer. <laughs> you know, um, so, all right. Any any other thoughts on that on that one, Mike? Yeah, I do worry sometimes about uh, Google Hangouts and stuff, and and whether Google, Google tends to just add you know what appears to us at a whim just kill stuff off, right? And whether that you know it seems to be it's not as prominent on my screen anymore. It used to be so easy to find Google Hangout and jump into one. It's less they've made it less prominent. And when you in the in the world of retail and all that kind of stuff, as you make things less prominent, it means it's less prominent to you. And I'm wondering how long they will stick with that. And I hope they do. I hope they continue to improve it because it, it is a great platform and it, it can at times be better than Skype. You know, yeah. we use we used to use it for our podcast. We moved to Skype, and I would you know love to have Hangouts as a as an option. Yeah. Well, and you still can. I we we are 100% hangouts on both the Google um or I mean both the Gala podcast that I do and till recently we were using them for this podcast. And we still will. I when we do the Ring CEO or the CTO from Ring, we're going to go back to hangouts. I'm not going to do those. I'm not going to do that interview here on Blab. Um but it's um it's one of those things like they're they're pulling apart, right? So Rennie asked the question is will 2016 see the end of Google Plus? I don't know. That's interesting. That's that is interesting because certainly my tech traffic on Google Plus is as is as busy as it's ever been. But really? I know, yeah, oh yeah, no, there's still the the guys I follow. I mean, the the podcasters group on Google Plus still pretty active. Will Google will it be enough for Google? It's a good question. I I, I don't. They're you know they got to decouple everything first, and that's what they're doing now, right? They're decoupling all these pieces from it. You can still get mm-hmm. the Hangouts. You just don't can't get to them through True. the new interface for Google Plus, right? I, so, uh, you know, the one Google Plus got its its big push from photographers. A lot of us photographers got on air, and that's where it really started growing with the photographers. I will tell you that I've had photographers on my show that had millions of, of followers on Google Plus, and they put multiple posts out there that I'm going to be on JPEG to Raw, and they get twelve people come to to watch the live show, if that. I have somebody that has 30,000 followers on Facebook, put out a few posts that are going to be on the show, and they have 70, 100, 200 people come watch the live show. So the I'm seeing very little. even So you can't say it's me necessarily. Right. Maybe they, they don't like to come to, to my show at all. But these are people who have massive followings on Google Plus and, and decent followings on Facebook. And they are personally seeing much more traffic coming. I'm seeing them be able to grab more traffic coming from Facebook. Uh, you talked about the the podcasters hangout or podcasters group on Google Plus. I haven't checked that in a couple months because I'm checking those groups on Facebook. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think what's happening is if you're engaged in Facebook, it's still engaging because there's enough people out there to keep it going. But I don't think we're getting any new, and it's not alerting you anymore for the most part. And so you're not you're not naturally drawn over there from that standpoint. So certainly the communities are dying. Uh, that's what the numbers say. I, it's hard for me to see that because I'm engaged in those groups. And so when I'm out there and when I'm checking Google Plus, it seems like it's active to me, but I know the rest of the world <laughs> doesn't really even care about Google Plus and it's kind of crickets. Well, think about this. You have a Google Plus community, your show, 
and your show has a Facebook community. And 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 the, I don't know that they're dramatically different in size. I mean, they're probably a little different, but they're not dramatically. It's not like one has thirty thousand and one has a hundred. But where where do you get more traffic? Oh, Facebook for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no doubt. And there's no a doubt. question. There's a next ahead. question about YouTube and yeah. ITunes. Let me throw it up. So Bill Connor asked, "Will YouTube give iTunes podcast the comp- uh, any competition?" I I don't think Google knows how to do this very well, to be honest with you. The subscription engine that's inside YouTube is horrible, um, unusable, and not not good at all, right? So, we, Mike, you've got – how many subscribers do you have on your YouTube page? You uh, 63, 6,400. I'll check. Quite a bit, right? Six, six, let's just say 65. I have about 1,000. It doesn't do anything. Like it's If I had that many subscribers, if I had that many subscribing to my podcast through a podcatcher, man, I would be ecstatic. But I post a YouTube video, I get 50 people to watch it unless I advertise for it, right? So the subscription piece does not work. It'll be interesting to see on the podcasting side if they can make this new podcast app that they're going to put on Android, if they're going to make this thing work, whatever they're going to call it in the end, will it move the needle? I don't think it's going to. I, yeah, I think it's, it's, I think things Google, stay flat. Yeah. The Google Play Music thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I like to see that too. You know, our show is more, I often forget about the the audio listener because we're, we're talking about photos and sometimes we bring them up when we discuss the photo. And it's usually not to the end of the show. Oh, crap. I got, forgot about the audio listener. So for us, if you throw out the YouTube numbers, we're still more than 50% of our subscribers or downloads. I, I don't know about subscribers. Downloads are video. And you're getting video really from just one place, which is is iTunes, where you're getting audio from all these other places. That is thrown out I, uh, YouTube. So for us, Google Play Music it, it's another place for us to put our, our the audio. Um, I wish that somebody would give us another option to include the, the video. That's true. Where someone because I have video feeds too. Yeah, where someone because I I know I've um, Ray Ortega said, hey, I would kill the the audio the video feed on iTunes and hey, if you want video, just go to YouTube. But like you said, you can't subscribe very oh, well. It's, it's horrible to find them. It's just an awful experience. I mean, YouTube is just a you know it's a it's a needle in a needle stack, you know, and you just can't find anything there. And yeah, sure, you can search and some of those kinds of things, but. The average user is not going to do it. You know, it's a it's a terrible situation. So hopefully, just Google has not been traditionally good at those things, at making those kinds of things work, which is why I think it's taken so long to get the podcast app there in the first place. They tried it with Google Listen. It didn't really, really work. Then they killed it. Yeah. Those guys aren't thinking that way. That's not in there. You know, getting getting advertising on podcasts and making that work is not necessarily uh in the front of their minds they've made it work on youtube why they can't yeah. get that to work in podcast i don't know let's wrap up a few questions Can I say one more thing about youtube yeah yeah go ahead the, the other thing and uh i don't i don't know if the average person who's going to youtube looking for videos is actually looking for a long play podcast you know we run an hour we run about an hour generally is what we do i think most people are coming and they hear whatever our topic is and they think it is going to be a five minute show on that topic and it's not. It's it's an hour long discussion. It's more of an interview process, and we we talk about that topic. Where I think if if you're doing little five minute skits, you you know you might get there. And if you look at your, if you look at your number of minutes that the people average viewed your shows, it's probably less on YouTube than it is on some on other places. 
Yeah. We're, we're lucky on the Gallup podcast. I get 12 minutes of video average on our, on what we do. We typically do 45 minute videos, but we've got a really engaged group of listeners uh, that are doing it. We're beyond the norm. I think the tag podcast maybe get three or four minutes. And I think the average is two. So it's one of those kinds of things on YouTube. Uh, Kevin had said it's even hard to find what I subscribe to uh, on YouTube, which is true. Like you set all these subscriptions, they don't do anything for you. And they go into Gmail and and Gmail is a mess in the way that works. Uh, Mark said YouTube has uh, too much stuff, not filtered very well. It is, it's hard. It's, there's just so much stuff out there. It's hard. Mike, let's, um, as we kind of bring this in for landing, let's kind of rapid fire some of these questions. By the way, appreciate all you new listeners out in chat. This is one of the reasons I wanted to come to Blab was to give the podcast some new exposure. If you're listening to us for the very first time, we do this podcast every Thursday night, 8 p.m. Central, out at theaverageguy.tv slash live. We've been moving a few of these to Blab uh, to give it a try. We're not out here every week, but I want to thank you for joining us. If you like the podcast, I have all the subscription options you ever need to get subscribed to this at theaverageguy.tv slash subscribe. Everything, any way you can think of subscribing. And if I don't have it, let me know. But I'm pretty sure I have just about every way available for you to do it. So Broken Camera asks, will internet data on our phones become more affordable and or unlimited. I think we've already tried the unlimited thing and all the companies have moved away from it. So we did unlimited in the very beginning. Nobody likes it. Sprint was the last one to give it up and they're trying to get rid of it. Nobody but, likes it, meaning the company. Well, the carriers don't like, don't it. like yes. it. That's what really matters, right? The carriers don't like it from that standpoint. Um, so no, I don't think we're going back to unlimited. Will they get more reasonable? Depends if demand and if supply and demand are in place and, and they, make it work. There's one area that I'm very disappointed in because that is an area where we have competition and us users have not got what we really need there. And there's even been memos come out recently from the head of, uh, you know, leaked from the head of AT&T where they admit, or maybe it's Comcast, where they admit that their caps and all that kind of stuff is not because the networks can't handle it. So I think, I think these providers don't want to give us unlimited or more data, not because they can't handle the, the that much data, but because they feel that, I guess, whatever they would, they can make more money by charging us or, or doing less, yeah. make the same amount of money. We need a company to come in and break the phone companies, right? To yes. come in and shake it up and make it affordable in the right way it should be. Although, well, I, you know, I pay 300 bucks a month to Sprint to service five phones every month. And when you break that down, it's not too terrible when you think about I get unlimited data for 60 bucks a month per phone. So I don't know how broken it is. Now I'm grandfathered into a plan that just doesn't exist anymore. You don't, you don't get those. And every unlimited? time I, yeah, I'm unlimited. I'm completely unlimited yeah. still. And every time I go into Sprint, I say, hey, is this new plan? And they look at my, they're like, you, you shouldn't move. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you shouldn't. That's the, that's the advice I get every single time at the store. They look at my plan and they go, oh, yeah, no, you should not do anything to lose this plan. We have four of us and we have 10 gig a month and we're home or my kids in a dorm at college. We're always on Wi-Fi and yet we bump up against that 10 gig every month. Yeah. Yeah, it is what, you know, and speaking of phones, broken camera says, why does Wi-Fi suck in most public places? Because people don't maintain it. That's what, you know, it's a, it's a crappy, it's a crappy commercial Wi-Fi thing they've put in and nobody cares about it. It hasn't been rebooted in, in three months. It, it's public. Somebody's probably hacked it. I mean, it's uh, you, you got to be very suspicious with public Wi-Fi. It's not the answer. This is a lot of people think, you know, like, oh, I, I can do this because I can get public Wi-Fi. 
boy, that's not the answer either because it it's suspect. No matter it's where you're going, there's all kinds of. If you've listened to any of our cyber frontiers, you know, public Wi-Fi is not your friend, and yeah. you have to be very very careful when you're doing stuff on it. You know, what, what on this on the other side, uh, from a corporation standpoint, you know, we're negotiating with AT and T on some pretty big rollout of of um, the the routers or the what four G whatever their thing is LTE. Uh, in a big in a big way, and we're getting some really good prices for a certain amount of data that we're going to use that is going to be pooled across all the devices. So even if one goes up, you you know you got a pooled set, so a massive amount of data. Um, it, it, there's a chance that it, the prices may come down, but they're not even offering us unlimited. There's there's no amount of money we could pay them, reasonable amount that we could pay them. They would give us unlimited data. Yeah. Last question along yep. those lines. Again, broken camera. You're a stud because you're getting all these great questions in. <laughs> What company? So, and we'll 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 kind of relate this to 2016. What company and when will win the war between Samsung and Apple? I hope that war never ends. To Me be too. honest with you, Me too. we need them. We need them both. We actually need a third. It would be awesome if Microsoft could get their act together and get a Windows Phone in there. We had three. It's always better in triplets and and a minimum two. So, and then between Verizon, AT and T, and T Mobile again. Again, same thing. I, you want all three of them. We don't want a winner. We we want them to all be fighting each other. We want. I want T-Mobile to be the guy. Maybe they're already doing this to offer unlimited, you know, everywhere to be that disruptive company that actually has good amount of service across the country and offers unlimited and pushes Verizon, AT and T to, to at least cut their data plans, if not offer more data if they don't go all the way to unlimited. But you want some. You want that third place guy to be fighting to become second place guy. Yeah, no, right on. That's that's it's all built on competition and and I think uh, we're the loser if we get down to one. The the consumer is the loser. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's funny and we all tend to gravitate towards one ecosystem or to you know become a Microsoft fanboy or an Apple fanboy or whatever, but they if when they get down to one, it, then you just you don't it, you don't have competition and you always want that competition. So I that's why that's I buy what's best, not what's what that I'm is a fan. Human nature. You got Apple fanboys, you got Microsoft fanboys, you got, you know, Canon fanboys and Nikon fanboys and Chevy fanboys and Ford fanboys, uh, fanboys, fanboys. <laughs> you know, I think we, you buy something and then you become, you, you become um, committed to that product, that brand. And now the other brand is stinks. Your brand's better. And it's almost like you had something to do with the building of this thing and the development of this thing. You've taken on that thing as this is mine and I'm going to defend it. Yeah. It's, but it's the nature of the beast. It right? is. And, and we, we always, especially in America, we always want to knock off the number one. We don't like people being number one. You, yeah. you know, we, we cheer for them until they become number one. And then we hate them because they get in a situation where they control everything. They abuse it. Yeah, we don't like it. Absolute power, right? Yeah. Corrupts absolutely, yeah. and so it's it's part of uh, it's part of what it is. We're gonna um, we're coming to the end of the recorded version of this. If you're uh, if you're listening live, hang around for a few more minutes. I have broken camera wants to jump back in and ask another question. We got a bunch of questions in the chat room. We'll cover those here in the post show. So we're not going anywhere. But uh, for the recorded show, I want to say, Mike, thanks for jumping in and uh, and being a part. You always. You're always good on the last minute. I think I asked you a couple days ago, hey, can you join me? And you didn't realize uh, that there was going to be a game on. <laughs> the football uh, playoffs tonight. I do have it right over here to my right. And the second half just started a couple minutes ago. So what's the score? It is 10-0 Alabama. Hmm. And flag on somebody. I can't tell what it is. But 
I will be going up and watching the rest half the second half of this. Uh, well, a little hang around for a little bit yeah, of the post yeah. show if you can. Uh, you do that. Sure. Thanks for jumping in. It, this was kind of fun. We haven't done it, it this style, and we got a lot of good questions tonight. If you're listening My live, first thanks. Yeah, in your first one. Uh, if you're listening live, thanks for jumping in. Some great questions. You really added to. I had some show notes, but I didn't even really need them because you guys had so many great questions, and I appreciate your appropriateness of those questions and your thoughtfulness on those questions as well. A lot of new listeners. If you, like I said before, if you're a first time listener, this is uh, made available in podcast format. We have 242 of these before this one. If you liked it, head out to theaverageguy.tv slash subscribe. Everything we do is available out there. You can get it on your iPhone, Android, whatever. There is a way. If there isn't a way, let me know and I will find a way to get it done. If you have questions, uh, comments, or you want to do some contributions to us, you can contact the show. Just send me an email, jim at theaverageguy.tv. You can track me down on Twitter at just Jay Collison. You can find me available on the website uh, quite a bit, although during the holidays I have not had talk.to on very much. But if you see the red tab and it says chat with Jim, I'm usually sitting at my desk and uh, you can ask me a question right through that if you'd like to. The Average Guy.tv platform, both web and media hosting, of course, is powered by Maple Grove Partners. Maple Grove Partners, of course, get secure, reliable, high-speed hosting, and that's both web hosting and media hosting from people you know and trust. You know that's Christian. If you haven't met Christian yet, he's on Cyber Frontiers, and you can go over there. And He has his own web farm, and we've set up a little, a little offering that's kind of designed for podcasters. You could do a website over there if you want, but the plans start at 10 bucks, and it's a pretty good deal. Christian does a nice job. There's a few of you in the chat room who I think are using Maple Grove Partners right now. Check it out, maplegrovepartners, all one word.com. You can also listen to Home Gadget Geeks now on our new Android and iPhone app. We want to thank LastPass for sponsoring that. If you go to homegadgetgeeks.com on your mobile device, the buttons for both Android and iPhone subscribe are right there, and it'll walk you through getting it subscribed on your phone. Uh, easiest and best way to get it done, we want to thank uh, Spreaker. They're behind making that work. We're live on Spreaker as well as we're live on Blab. We're streaming this out on our Spreaker app. Typically, not this Thursday, but typically on any given Thursday night, we might have one or two people flying around the country. It always seems like Schoonover is somewhere <laughs> in the world. It's on plane and somewhere. Easiest way to listen to the show on the road where you're streaming it uh, is to do it on the Spreaker app, audio only, and Kevin does that. And uh, So if you want to download that, uh, that is a way to do it. Those apps, are course, are free, and we want to thank LastPass for doing that. We are here every Thursday. Well, let's say 48 out of 52 Thursdays because I get a little busy. Two Thursdays from now, I'm going to be in, in uh, San Diego, and my number four son is graduating from Marine Boot Camp. Mm -hmm. So pretty excited about that. We heard from him for five minutes on a call. Uh, for, for those who have been listening to this podcast for a long time, you've walked through this journey with me as he went into basic training back at the end of of October, and we got letters from him, but we haven't really heard from him. We got a five-minute phone call from him on Christmas Day. That was just great to hear from him. We'll see him in two weeks. Two weeks from tonight, we'll, he'll be done, and uh, we'll be on a plane coming back on Saturday uh, back here to Omaha. We'll get him for a week or two, and then he goes back uh, into training. So it will be cool to have him back, and uh, we're excited about it. So that I will probably move the podcast up to Tuesday that week, although I need to check and see who I have. Tuesday, that's my night. I know it is. Sorry. Sure is what, what time? What what time is JPEG to Raw now? When are you do seven thirty Central, eight thirty Eastern? Uh, we are eight thirty uh, Eastern. So if you're new, Eastern. go ahead. Eight thirty Eastern, Eastern on jpegdoraw.com slash live. Yeah, Mike does a great photography podcast. So if you're if you're joining us for the first time, you can head over there and not doing blab yet because he's got a no. whole video set up that wouldn't really work 
that Wouldn't well. Work very well, well here. Yeah. yeah. So, but it's great if you're a photographer, you definitely want to lock into JPEG Raw and uh, you catch him live or download you, his podcast as well. And you want to hurry up? You got seven or so days left to enter our best of 2015 photo contest and be eligible to win some of our $1,300 worth of prizes we have. Sweet. Wow. $1,300. I should have taken some pictures this year. You should have taken some pictures. Some of the pictures have been submitted. You would have beat them. I'm a slacker. Some of them you might not have. Slacker. Stay around for the post show, and we'll be on here for another few minutes. Uh, we're live every Thursday, 8 p.m. Central, 9 Eastern, out at the Average Guy. TV live. And with that, we'll say good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. <laughs>